20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello and welcome inside another edition of a Pack a Day Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 22nd. I am your host, Nick Schmitz, and I am joined as always by my co host, Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, how are you doing today? Doing well tonight. It's another uh, beautiful day in the land of Green Bay Packers, one day closer to the regular season against the Chicago Bears. Absolutely, absolutely is. Well, Jacob, let's start off with something a little bit fun today. I know it's been in the news lately. Let's talk about Khalil Mack for a second here. So Vegas has updated their odds for where Khalil Mack will be by the trade deadline midseason. And the Packers are atop the list for the Vegas odds at 2-1. to one. Jacob, is Khalil Mack going to be a Green Bay Packer this year? Woo! Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll say this. I've said this on anybody who's asked me is, you know, LeBron James, his betting favorite was the Los Angeles Lakers. He's now a Laker. Kevin Durant, a few years ago, the betting favorite was the Golden State Warriors. We know where he's at now. The favorite to trade for Kawhi Leonard was the Toronto Raptors. He's now in Toronto. I'm not saying that that means they know everything, but they must know something. They've even updated that their odds are 5-1 to one that Matt will be traded. And if I'm the Packers, I know there's been a lot of talk about this, how they're about to give Rodgers this huge deal, and I understand all that, but you know, fans have complained for years about how they don't do anything to put premier talent around Aaron Rodgers, and now... At least in theory, they have an opportunity to do that. And the fan base that I'm seeing is wanting to be cheap. That's not maybe the right term, but they don't want to trade for Khalil Mack if it means both of their first-round picks and the contract that will come behind it. And me personally, Khalil Mack, adding him would give the Packers for the next at least three years at minimum the best quarterback in the world and the best pass rusher in the world. Those are two of the most two of the four most important positions in all of football. Maybe Khalil Mack's not the best best, hands down, like Aaron Rodgers is, but he's at least near the top of that list. That's a guy that if there's anybody worth trading two first-round picks and giving a big deal for, it's that guy. So I don't want to say he's going to be a Packer, but if Reggie McKenzie calls Brian Gutekunst and says, hey, give me those two first-round picks and you can have Khalil Mack, Brian Gutekunst should say, absolutely, let's get this guy in here. So that's what I would do. I am not the general manager, and thank whoever it is that you guys pray to that I am not. But if I were, yeah, he'd, he'd be a Green Bay Packer, that's for sure. So it, it's interesting because I am all for acquiring Khalil Mack, but a lot of people have talked about, and you'd mentioned the NBA comparisons Everyone says, well, you know, maybe it'll just be a one-year rental, right? Get him for this year, try to win a Super Bowl, and then his contract is up, and you'll let him go. I don't mind acquiring him, obviously, because he makes the defense better. But if I'm giving up, you know, what we're thinking, I want to be able to bring him in and be able to sign him to a five-, six-year deal and keep him in Green Bay. So, Jacob, tell me, what... First of all, what will it actually take? Is it just the first two round picks to get him? What will it take? What would it take to make him 
become a Green Bay Packer, and what does it take then on the other end after you've acquired him to make sure that he's here for more than just one year? I mean, obviously, if you're, you're trading for him, you hit the nail on the head. If you're trading for Khalil Mack, you're planning on signing him to a long-term contract. And that's kind of the basis for why he's upset with Oakland right now, is it seems John Gruden and company do not want to sign him. Maybe Gruden doesn't want anybody on his roster that makes more money than he does. I don't know. Uh, but I would say, at this juncture, I think two first-round picks is probably the highest amount of what it would take. I don't think it would take more than that. Uh, I think it's possible that it could take less than that, but I'm, you know, I'm not an agent, I'm not a general manager, but I would say that draft capital is what you're looking to give up. I would, I've looked at, you know, some people suggesting that maybe the Packers give him, give the Raiders Clay Matthews as a way to offset. You know, Matthews obviously not as good as Mac anymore, but could be a useful player for them. And I, I don't, I don't think that makes much sense for the Packers or the Raiders. The idea of adding Khalil Mack is to add depth and prowess to your pass rushing unit and trying to offset cost or whatever by trading Matthews, that pretty much just gets rid of the depth that you were trying to acquire anyways. Now, you're upgrading from the standpoint of Mac is better, but if Clay Matthews is your third pass rusher, you're in really good shape. On the end of what what it would take after you sign him, or excuse me, after you acquire him to sign him, I, I mean, you're looking at the richest deal in the history of defensive players. Not foreign concept to the Packers. They've given that sort of deal. The deal that Clay Matthews is on currently was a deal that gave him, or he was the highest paid defensive player in the league when that happened. So that's not foreign. They paid Aaron Rodgers shortly before that as well. So, I mean, you're looking at, I think off the top of my head, I don't know the top salaries of some of the guys, but I mean, Let's just say it's a five-year, $100 million contract with you're probably looking at 65 or $70 million of that guaranteed. Uh, but again, if Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack, that's pennies on the dollar. I mean, this guy is an impactful player at a position. The last time the Packers had a truly impactful game-to-game pass rusher was 2012 when Clay Matthews had his last double-digit sack season. He was great. Um, and Matthews is still a very good and useful player. But he's not a game changer like he was in 2010 anymore. Cleo Mack is that. Paying him that kind of money, giving up the draft capital, it's all gravy to me if you get that guy here in Green Bay. So, and, and then this is the other thing, too, that wasn't, you know, when the trade rumors first started flying around, it seemed plausible. Do you think that... And when I say this, I don't mean to put him in the same category as Khalil Mack, but do you think the emergence of Reggie Gilbert and his, how well he's played in the preseason, maybe Gutekunst and McCarthy look at it and say, like, we understand that he's not the playmaker that Khalil Mack is, but he's producing well enough and he's not going to cost us nearly as much. Does that factor in to how Gutekunst goes about, you know, potentially acquiring Khalil Mack? Uh, it shouldn't. I mean, like you mentioned, he's, they're not in the same category. Reggie Gilbert, bless his heart, he's been a really good player. He's only produced since being in Green Bay, whether that's preseason or when he was finally called up from the practice squad last season. But he's a guy who is best served as your third or fourth edge rusher, not a guy who's going to be one of your starters, which they're one rolled ankle away from Clay Matthews or Nick Perry and those guys, I mean, for all the things they have done, they have suffered through some injuries in recent years. 
Matthew's getting a little older, more susceptible to an injury. They're one player like that away from Reggie Gilbert being a starter. I don't think that should enter their enter their thought process on acquiring a lead player like that. All right, and lastly, very quickly, with the updated odds at Green Bay being two to one, the most recent odds I looked at had Chicago, the Bears, at three to one odds. Does Gutekunst and McCarthy, do they, I mean, obviously they don't make decisions based on Vegas odds, but knowing that Chicago might be in the running to acquire Khalil Mack, does that change how they go about the process saying, hey, you know, what can we do to either get him on our team or leave him in Oakland so that we're not having to play him twice a year? It shouldn't, but it does. I liken it to... You know, when George Steinbrenner was still living as the owner of the New York Yankees, if the Boston Red Sox acquired a player, he would almost demand his general manager to counterpunch, if you will. So if they got a pitcher, the Yankees would have to go get a pitcher. And now this is kind of similar just from the standpoint of these are two rivals. They both have a need at pass rusher. I would say, like, it shouldn't affect, like, what another team does shouldn't affect what you as your own franchise are doing. But I'm sure it does, uh, at least to some degree. They know that they don't want to play against Khalil Mack twice a year for the next five years. I know that. They'd much rather have them playing against guys for them for the next five years. But it probably affects them a little bit, but not as much as like what the average but the average fan sees the Bears second in that in that odds list right there, and they go, oh, my God, you got to go get him right now then. Not, not only to make sure that we get him, but to make sure that they don't. Gutekunst is probably just like, well, that may heighten his urgency on trading for him a little bit, but not enough to the point where he's going to say, okay, I'll give you two first-round picks plus the next two seconds and turn into Kevin Costner on the movie draft day. All right, well, let's switch gears now quick to Deshaun Kaiser. He was acquired in the offseason, traded Demarius Randall straight up for him, swapped some draft picks as well. He looked pretty good Thursday night. Take a listen to what he had to say about his play and as well as fan favorite Jake Kumara. Well, your second and third series, do you feel like things settled up in terms of your time or pass protection in general? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, you take it one one play at a time, and and those, those drives were, you know, the first couple drives were uh, just trying to get the timing of the defense, uh, understanding, uh, you know, where my depth is. You know, you always got to be aware of that, making sure you're stepping up in the pocket. But once again, it's about stringing together positive plays, and and those, you know, last couple drives were exactly how we want the ball to be moved. What is it about Jake that's allowed him to stand out the way that he has this game? You know, he works he works hard, and you know, through that, uh, he's he's been able to run some great routes. Uh, he's he's a great competitor, a great teammate, and he becomes easy target for us as quarterbacks for him to be out there obviously in, in, the, in those you know late second quarter third quarter fourth quarter opportunities uh, he's going to he's going to eat up those corners and you know as far as a backside matchup for us we've been able to take a pretty good advantage of it so that was Deshaun Kaiser talking about Thursday night's game how he felt Jacob we've seen him now in two games he looked really good in this last game through two touchdowns through the 82 yard touchdown to Kumaro there fans know as we all know, you know, the quarterback situation with Hundley from last year, it wasn't great. He hasn't, Hundley that is, hasn't overly impressed me this preseason. What do you make of Deshaun Kaiser's play so far and, you know, how much of it is preseason? Because last year when he was a rookie in the preseason, the numbers told you, hey, he looks pretty good. And then the regular season came along and he didn't win a single game. 
what do we make of Deshaun Kaiser's play right now, and what is the possibility that he supplants Brett Hundley as the backup quarterback? I think, Nick, the first time we got together on one of these was our preview show, and we did the backup quarterback or the quarterback position for that. And I've said ever since the whole idea of a quote competition has started, I don't think the Packers traded a starting defensive back for a guy who was going to be their third-string quarterback. I think that Kaiser has played well in the preseason. I, I mean, some of that probably is against some of the dudes he's playing against. But that throw to Jake Kumaro, for example, he comes back in the pocket, he sticks his back foot in the ground, and he delivers a strike. That's a trait that translates. That's not necessarily the result I'm looking at, but a trait that translates, rather. And that was, he is more talented than Brett Hundley, with all due respect to Brett Hundley. I think he's played... You could see some improvement in Brett Hundley's game, but at the same time, I think that we kind of know what Hundley's going to be if he ever has to, God forbid, play against the starters. Now, that doesn't mean I want um, Deshaun Kaiser playing against the starters either because, well, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, and obviously you want him to be playing. But I am more confident in that if the Packers have to win, let's just say they miss Aaron Rodgers for three games. I'm relatively confident, or at least more, more confident, depending on who they're playing, of course, that Deshaun Kaiser gives them a better chance of going 2-1 and one in those games than Brett Hundley would. Uh, Hundley did some good things last year, but he's also, I mean, the game against New Orleans, I know he passed for less than 100 yards. The game they won at home against Tampa Bay, he wasn't very good in that game either. The home game against the Baltimore Ravens, throwback weekend, that was one of the worst, maybe the worst Packers game I've ever been in, the, in attendance for. So I think we just kind of know what he is at this point. Um, and I believe Kaiser's going to be the backup when the season starts. I think you'll see him get some reps on Friday against the Raiders with some of the, I mean, it looks like a lot of the starters aren't going to play Friday. But the guys who are your preferred backups, if you will, Kaiser's going to get to play with those guys, too, just like Hunley is, instead of getting them just against, you know, third-string receivers and such. Right, and so this leads into the next question. Traditionally, Green Bay has kept two quarterbacks on the active roster, one of them being Aaron Rodgers, and then a backup, and then they usually keep someone on the practice squad. So what does Green Bay do then? Do they cut Hunley? Do they keep Hunley? Do they put him on the practice squad? And then what happens to, you know, the rookie fourth-string quarterback, uh, Tim Boyle? What do they do with him? How do you see the depth chart after Aaron Rodgers breaking down on the final roster? Do they have two quarterbacks, three? What do they do? I think they keep all three of them. Hundley doesn't have, you know, practice squad eligibility, so we are doing there. You probably can't trade him. So cutting him for nothing when you could potentially maybe get some use out of him. If nothing else, Hundley as a third stringer could help Deshaun Kaiser along from the standpoint of he knows the offense, so he can help from that from that perspective. Boyle, he's probably practice squad bound. I don't know if he'll last there all season. Some team might want to put him as their third quarterback and make sure he's in their system for that while. He has some talent. He definitely has a big arm. He's really raw with his footwork uh, and has some things to work on. But there is some talent there. He's actually worth developing, unlike some of the guys that they've had here in years past, like Joe Callahan 
or BJ Coleman or some of these other scrubs that have just been horrible. <laughs> it's hard to watch, quite frankly. But I would bet they keep three quarterbacks. I know they haven't done that all the time in the past, but it just doesn't make much sense, at least in my opinion. You're not going to get anything for Brett Huntley. So there's no sense just cutting him now when his contract runs out and then you can decide whether you want to keep him or let him go after that. All right, well, let's move on to probably the most exciting part of the preseason so far, and that is fan favorite Jake Kumaro. He has won over the hearts of Packer fans. Everyone wants to see him on the 53-man roster, me included. He's played well. He had a 52-yard touchdown reception in the first preseason game. He had an 82-yard touchdown reception in the second game. Here's a little bit of audio from Kumaro talking about that 82-yard touchdown pass and ultimately what he feels he needs to do to make the 53-man roster. Can you give us sort of kind of a blow-by-blow to touchdown catch and run? Yeah, sure. You know, we had a good play call at the line, and the route was a little deeper down the field, so the offensive line had to hold their ground, and they did. It was a very good job. Gave us some time to throw it, and, you know, the quarterback put it on the money again, put it right outside where I could reach and get it, where the DB couldn't reach for it. And after I caught it and turned around, there was a lot of green grass, and I just just ran as fast as I could, tried to get in the end zone. <laughs> big kick. I mean, you know, scoring a touchdown like that, scoring a big play like that. Not your first, obviously, but another big throw for you. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you get a touchdown in Lambeau, it's a big thrill. That was a lot of fun. Uh, glad to go get in the end zone and celebrate it with the boys. When that corner dives and misses, are you are you thinking you're scoring that? Yeah, thinking I got a good chance to get some more yards after that because, you know, there's not many people back there behind him. After I turned around and looked, there was one guy, and I just, you know, tried to skinny him up and, and get myself like a two-way go on him and uh, ended up working out. Yeah. yeah. Jake, the uh, goal is the 53. We're halfway through the preseason. How impressed are you with the body of work you've been able to put together? And what do you think you need to do in the next two games to ensure that you're on that 53? Got a lot of work to do still. Special teams as well. You know, you got to get in there a little more on special teams and try and try and get some uh, get some reps in doing that. And you know, I got to just keep keep making catches and try to just keep getting open for the quarterbacks. You know, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of work to be done. When guys talk about you, they mention consistency and, and trust and, and work ethic. I mean, does that? Yeah, I like to. Think when you hear that. Uh, it feels good to hear that. I like to try and be consistent. That's one of my main goals, is especially with my hands, just trying to make sure I catch everything, whether it's in bounds or out of bounds or in, in routes on air and team in team reps, anything. You just try to make sure you catch everything because, you know, the more and more you catch it, the better they feel throwing it. So that's Jake Kumaro talking about his preseason so far. So, Jacob, here's the question. There's a crowded wide receiver room in Green Bay right now. Two spots are pretty much already taken with Adams and Cobb, does Kumaro make the 53-man roster? Uh, right now, I don't know how he doesn't. You know, I've been on the skeptical side of things, saying he had a really, really big uphill battle to climb in order to make that roster. But you figure, you mentioned the two guys, Adams and Cobb. Geronimo Allison, I would say, is as close to a lock as it gets. I don't think they're going to cut a fourth-round pick in Jamon Moore, even though of the receivers on this roster are deserving to be cut he would probably be the most likely because he just has not played well. Um, he, I don't have an official on this, obviously, but I would bet he leads the team in drops. He doesn't have a reception this preseason, to my knowledge. I know he had one wiped out on Thursday against the Steelers. I don't think he had one against the Titans. So not a good start for him, but I don't think they're going to cut him. The other two rookies, St. Brown and Valdez, Scantling, have flashed. 
So it really comes down to if they're keeping a seventh receiver, are they going to keep Trevor Davis, who, for some of his faults, and believe me, there are some in there, um, excelled in the return game. He was a pretty good punt returner for the Packers last year, even though he caught literally one punt in the end zone. I'll never understand what he was thinking there, but he did some good things in the return game, but he's been injured pretty much through the duration of camp. Uh, He's still out with a hamstring injury, and the old adage, you know, you can't make the club if you're in the tub. So, Kumaro has outplayed him, obviously, because Trevor Davis hasn't had an opportunity to play. I don't see how you keep an injured Trevor Davis over Jake Kumaro at this point, when Kumaro has arguably outperformed everybody except for Adams, Cobb, and Allison. Well, and you know, it's interesting because you said... Of the three rookie wide receivers, Moore has obviously been the one that struggled the most. I've talked to some people who think that they'll obviously keep Adams and Cobb, keep all three of the rookie wide receivers, keep Kumaro, and then cut or trade Geronimo Allison, and then just flat out cutting Trevor Davis. Is there any possibility that the Packers only keep six and they end up cutting or trading Geronimo Allison? The only thing I would ask then is, okay, that's fine. Who's going to be the starting third wide receiver then, if you will? Is it one of the rookies? Is it Kumaro? I suppose I don't know if there's a key. I mean, Geronimo Allison, it's clear to me that Aaron Rodgers trusts him. It's clear to me that Mike McCarthy trusts him. Now, Rodgers trusting and stumping for one of his guys doesn't always translate to them being brought back and kept on the team. Uh, You can look no further than Jordy Nelson. James Jones is another guy. Uh, he's gone to bat for guys in the past. And sometimes it's worked, and other times it hasn't. So I think that the Packers trust Geronimo Allison. Um, if they keep six receivers, then I think the unfortunate part is going to be Kumaro is going to be the odd man out. There's some draft nepotism, obviously, that happens. Kumaro is 26 years old, and the Packers don't just look for the 2018 season. They'll be looking for the future as well. Kumaro's a guy who, right now, he probably is what he is. He's a veteran, uh, and he's had some time at camp, obviously, in years past that has helped. Um, it's, it's just unfortunate because, you know, you you want the NFL, or you want to believe that the NFL, this league of competition, is a meritocracy, and he who does the most uh, gets, gets the most, so to speak. And in this case, that wouldn't be what happened because – Three guys were drafted, and this guy wasn't. So I don't think if, if the Packers keep six, I don't think Geronimo Allison is a guy that gets moved. All right, well, Packer Nation is hoping that Kumaro makes the team. I know I am. He, I think he'll be a big help. Lastly, you were telling me before the show that you had some news on Clay Matthews and a contract. What can you tell us? Yeah, I read uh, Bill Huber, which is Bill Huber's my guy for Packer Report. I actually interned for him when I was in college. Really nice guy, really good Packers coverage. But he tweeted out, and it hasn't gotten a whole lot of run, which is a little surprising to me, but tweeted out that somebody asked Clay Matthews about his contract situation, and he said there has been some talks, which would mean, at least on the surface, it seems like the Packers are interested in bringing him back. He's in a contract year, obviously, beyond this year. Now that would be a smaller deal, lower his cap number, obviously, but Matthews is still a useful player. I mean, I know that... I don't know what the general consensus is. I know the vocal majority seems to not like Clay Matthews because of his contract. He's been injured. 
just all kinds of different stuff. But honestly, I mean, when Matthews is, if Matthews was able to play the role for this Packers defense that Chris Long plays for the Eagles, I think he would flourish. Just come in, put a red red light above the quarterback's head, and say, Clay, go get it. I think he would do really well with that. So that's something I think to keep an eye on. Uh, Matthews in a contract year, Randall Cobb, some of those guys like that are in a contract year. But Matthews is the one saying there's been some contract talks. So I'll be interested to see if he gets a deal done maybe before the season's over. All right, good stuff. Well, that does it for us today. Thanks again for listening, guys. I'm your host, Nick Schmitz. If you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter, at SportsMitty, as Jacob can tell you, the one who rarely rarely tweets. I've been a little bit more active promoting the Pack-A-Day podcast. And, Jacob, if people want to follow you, how can they do that? I am at Jacob Westendorf, and I've had some of you guys pop in and say hello, so I appreciate that. Keep reaching out, interacting. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, that does it for us. And as always, make sure you like, share, subscribe on any of your favorite podcast stations. We really appreciate all the love and support you guys have given us so far. And we're two weeks away from the regular season, I believe it is. And it's just going to keep getting more and more fun the closer and closer we get. And then, obviously, once we get into the season, it's just going to be, we're going to be on a roll all the time, 365 days. We're so excited to continue doing this. So thank you once again, everyone, and as always, Go Pack Go! Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! it over. Starks to his left. Now he moves Starks to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up. Rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's hot. What did it caught? It is caught for a touchdown. Yes!